Yeah, I also thought it was interesting, just one tidbit on the um, Zone telecast, uh, and maybe just because we, you know, maybe focus a little bit on everything, but they were like, you know, oh, Vanala Lopez comes in, you know, as a relative unknown with 25 fights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, we've seen countless Vanala fights on top rank, and to, to their credit, they've put him on undercards, and, you know, even the earlier fights, I had seen enough of Vanala Lopez to put money on him. I parlayed him with Ebony Bridges. <laughs> Um, and got she made some a, money. A nice, a, a nice, nice little chunk of change. I mean, <laughs> all right. Welcome back to the RBR recap. Excited to be back. I'm Alex Burgos, joined as always by my man Gabe Rivas here for episode 32. Gabe, I got to kick it to you. How are you, sir? We back. <laughs> I'm doing well. It's been a while. I'm excited to be back. It's a rainy day in Los Angeles, but I like that kind of weather, so it's good. I hear you, man. We're uh, heading into the dead of winter here in Maryland. It's starting to get cold, so beanies and you know, big jackets and all that stuff. Um, definitely been keeping up with everything. We just haven't gotten around. You know, life gets in the way sometimes, so haven't gotten around to getting back on the podcast. But excited to be back. We had a lot of good action this past weekend, so let's jump right into it. Um, we'll start things off with the UK card, Matchroom Boxing featuring Josh Warrington defending his IBF title on his second go-around now as a champ um, against Luis Alberto Lopez, El Venado, a guy that I really like, um, and we've spoken about here on the, the podcast that we wanted to see him get his opportunity um, for a title. And it was a good fight. It was really good. Um, it was, I thought, a tale of two fights in which Lopez started uh, fast. He kind of got those maybe first five or six rounds, give or take, under his belt. And then Warrington, you know, came on a little bit more. Uh, I thought the 115-113 or even a draw 114-114 was fair. You know, the, it was that type of fight. So those scores were pretty good because the scores ended up being exactly that. Scores were 114-114 and then 115-113 twice for Lopez, which a little bit, you know, I'm surprised that he got it because he's going to enemy territory. He's going to Warrington's hometown. Um and so I think Tony Bellew was mentioning this a few times, you know, you could see kind of a close fight for either guy or a draw, but no gripes about Lopez winning. I thought, you know, Lopez did win it, a close decision. Um, kudos to him. Kudos to, to going over into any enemy territory, like I said, winning the title. And uh, there's a lot of good options at that weight class. I think this whole year, you know, this might be one of the weight classes where we've talked about the most, um, you know, the featherweights. And now it's cool to see another guy kind of in the fray, in the mix as champ. Warrington, by all means, is still in that mix. You know, Lee Wood, guys like this would still be big fights for him um, domestically. And, and then, you know, Wood's got options coming to the U.S. Warrington does, does as well. Lopez may be coming back. He's been featured on a lot of top-ranked stuff. So there's just a lot of good options. I'm sure you'll have something to mention with the matchups as well. But what were your thoughts on the fight and um, just kind of what's next for each guy? It was a close fight between Lopez and Warrington. As you mentioned, Lopez had an early start. Warrington did a lot better in the later rounds. Uphill battle because he's fighting uh, in enemy territory. But what better way to win a world title than by going across the pond to enemy territory with all the odds stacked up against you, another promoter, um, you know, all that, and you still win a close decision. I mean, it's preferable to win by knockout. Um but uh, he won a, a close decision win, took back the title back to Mexicali, Mexico 
uh, which is where he's from. I think one issue that stood out is the headbutts from Warrington because we saw the same thing happen against Mauricio Lara, but the right man won. And I think that was the consensus on social media and the boxing world that it was going to be tough for him to get the decision, but he got it and the right man won. And it's not always the case that the judges uh, screwed things up. With Bernardo Lopez, he's the latest world champion uh, to come out of Mexico that has now 157 world champions. Um, also, at featherweight, there are four world champions, Emmanuel Navarrete, Luis Alberto Lopez, Leo Santa Cruz, and Ray Vargas. All of them are from Mexico. So Mexico right. now dominates uh, 126 pounds. Uh, in terms of current champions for Mexico, there are about eight. So that also includes Juan Francisco Estrada, Canelo Alvarez, of course, uh, and Julio Cesar Martinez, and Daniel Bayardares, who is the minimum weight champion. So um, for Mexican fans, great night. They got a new world champion, 157 in total. They dominate the featherweight rankings. Like you mentioned, it's a fun division that we talked about a lot, but also because there tends to be a lot of Mexicans there and a lot, a lot of um, Mexicans with very uh, fan-friendly styles. I'm talking Eric Morales in his time there, Marco Antonio Barrera, Juan Manuel Marquez. Now we have Venado Lopez, Emmanuel Navarrete. We have... Uh, Mauricio Lara, who's not a world champion. Yeah, I mean, it's such a fun division, and it just got a little bit more interesting with a new Mexican world champion. Yeah, I also thought it was interesting, just one tidbit on the um, zone telecast, uh, and maybe just because we, you know, maybe focus a little bit on everything, but they were like, you know, oh, Venado Lopez comes in, you know, as a relative unknown with 25 fights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, we've seen countless Benalo fights on top rank and to to their credit they've put him on undercards and you know even the earlier fights I had seen enough of another Lopez to put money on him I parlayed him with Ebony Bridges um and got she made some a, money a nice a, a nice, nice little chunk of change I mean you know just it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that he would knock out Warrington is what I thought and it's funny because on the flip side all the predictions pre-fight obviously they were, you know, um, going for their man. They were obviously rooting for England in the World Cup. And they were like, oh, we were we were disappointed by England. Hopefully, Warrington can then get it done for us today. So they were very, you know, um, pro pro Warrington on the telecast, which is salt, fine. salt and lime on the wounds. You know what and I mean? So, with, with the loss. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a bad day for them for as, as good as it was for Mexico. Like you were mentioning, it was bad for, for England. But um. Uh, I thought it was and interesting that they maybe got farther in the World Cup, though. Yeah. Hey, at the they end of the day, farther. at the end of the day, if you don't win it all, though, everyone's yeah. going home the same way. Right. right, right. <laughs> but uh, but um, no, I just thought it was interesting that either, you know, maybe they're not paying attention or what the case is. But I thought we had seen enough of Lopez. You know, the Gabe Flores fight was uh, a good example. I mean, he we knew what he had and we knew what he brought to the table. And I don't think that he should by any means be you know, a surprise champion or anything like that. I think he's able to contend with any of those names that you mentioned. I mean, the Lara fight would be exciting for me for, to, to watch him. But again, now we're talking about cross-promotional stuff because he's with top rank. Is that correct? He's long-term with top rank? Yeah, it looks like Venado is with top rank along with Emmanuel Navarrete. So there's two champions with top rank. Uh, Ray Vargas and Leo Santa Cruz are with PBC. So, I mean, within their respective promotional entities, they can make champions. Probably be hard to be. But Navarrete's got the Valdez fight coming, right? That's what, yeah. It looks like those reports are coming out that he'll be fighting right. Valdez. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
you know, options for sure. Maybe the winner of that, but um, in and around that weight class is our point that it's exciting. And, you know, to, to my point earlier, we've been talking about this, I think from the first uh, episode of this podcast, when it was Maxayo and, and Gary Russell Jr. In and around that weight class is just exciting. And it's Lots fun. Of fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, but moving on, we had another great fight and, and fight card in uh, top ranked Madison Square Garden, uh, Teofimo Lopez, the takeover now dubbed the the take back. Um, he was taking on late replacement Sandor Martin, who again cross promotional has been fighting on matchroom cards, and you know we're familiar with him in that sense. And um, I, I guess again, you know the the commentators on this card were like, oh, you know, they're just harping on the Mikey Garcia fight, Mikey Garcia. But we've seen Sandor Martin fight other times. We've seen what he can do, and so we knew a little bit more about him coming in um, than just that Mikey Garcia fight, which. Uh, I think Mark Kriegel had said he had touch base with Robert Garcia, Mikey's older brother and trainer. And they were just like, you know, don't count that fight as being what Sandra Martin can do. Um, Teofimo Lopez should be able to beat him, stop him, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, that is not what happened last night. Uh, it was a very close fight, tough fight for Teofimo Lopez. Um, and a lot of questions, more than answers, have come out of this fight. Split decision win, two scores for Lopez, one for Martin if I remember correctly. And before heading into this weekend, I was talking about it with my friends at the gym. I said, we could have two upsets this weekend, one with Venado Lopez and then with Sandor Martin. With Martin, I have experience working with him because ahead of the Mikey Garcia fight, I was translating on translation duties for Matrim. And what immediately struck out to me is how confident he was. Right. He was extremely confident going into the Mikey Garcia fight, but also as he mentions in the, you know, in the press conference and in interviews ahead of this fight, he's an athlete. So he's always training. He was able to get it on three weeks notice because he's in good shape. And like they say, stay ready. So you don't have to get ready. And I think those two things really helped him. And he has really good boxing skills. Now I would have liked for him to be a little bit more aggressive. If I'm, if I'm on his side, mm -hmm. right. I'm not on either side, but if I'm on his side, it'd be better to be a little bit more aggressive to secure some rounds and win. We saw the same thing happen with Samuel Carmona in the fight against Julio Cesar Martinez. You're moving around a lot and you're not throwing as much offense. Now, if you're in enemy territory and you know you don't have knockout power, you got to do something to convince the judges that you deserve the win. So, I mean, he can say that it's a robbery, but I also think he needed to do enough to make it convincing uh, for those um, judges. But I think the real story is, you know, where do we place Teofimo Lopez after this performance? This is a guy who he's supposed to, uh, you know, knock out because he's young, he's strong, he has all this athletic prowess. He's supposed to be able to do this. So where does he stand now at 140 pounds? That's for me, uh, the, the thing that stands out from this performance. Yeah, and just to tie that um, decision up, it was a split decision, 95-94 for Martin and then 96-93 and 97-92 for Teofimo Lopez. I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I agree with Martin dictating the fight, uh, being more slick. Uh, his boxing really dictated the fight. But when you make a miss, you got to make him pay more so, uh, more often. And I thought, you know, he made a miss. And, you know, we saw, and we were talking about off camera, the technical flaws of Teofimo Lopez, him getting by so many times against the Mason Menards of the world off of athleticism, speed, not so much the technical stuff. And, you know, you think against guys like Devin Haney, Shakur Stevenson, you know, they download the data. They're able to make adjustments throughout the fight. 
Um, you just don't see that stuff with Teofimo Lopez and it may be psyche. It may be a little bit of the coaching, which I think it is with his father, um, just not being able to level up in terms of boxing IQ and ability. Now, can he do it? Yeah. Maybe if he's, he's young enough, obviously, and he can start to, you know, train with someone else. Maybe he can start doing different things, especially if you coached along in a fight and say, Hey, you know, you're getting hit with that check right hook or, Hey, you need to do this. Don't come in with your lead left down every time um you know things that he just kept on walking into last night which is you know how martin was gaining those points and even if they weren't blistering shots he did knock him down officially once and could have been twice um you know off those same shots and so um i agree with you also with martin's personality i i thought um i saw a lot more of that pre-fight but also post-fight in the the interviews and um you know, like he said, he's a showman talking about Telfimo. I'm a boxer. And to your point, um, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. He had been ready, late notice, not a problem. He stays in the gym. He stays working. And it showed he's he's ready for, um, you know, more opportunities. And I think we've, tri- you know, sprinkled his name in some of these conversations over time. But I think he did himself a lot of favors last night. So he'll kind of be bumped up into that, um, you know, maybe top 10, top 15 conversation. Um, but looking at Telfimo. At 140, you know, and they posted the list. I can rattle some of these names off. I'd like to ask you. I mean, Regis Progre. Yeah, Josh I mean, Taylor. Josh Taylor, who Telfimo was going to call out if he had, you know, this highlight real knockout. He Jack Catterall, Josh Taylor, Regis Progre, Jose Ramirez, you know, Ryan Garcia, Arnold Barboza, Jose Cepeda, uh, Matias Pedraza, who he was supposed to fight last night. And the fight was a li- an eliminator bout. So the winner is supposed to fight Regis Progress. That's a tough fight. Honor right. Barboza, that's a tough fight. Josh Taylor against everyone. And I think, I don't know if it was Timothy Bradley or Andre Ward that made an interesting point uh, after, I think it was Jared Anderson's performance. They said, look, the mistakes he made and where he is, he's aware of what he needs to do. You know, because Jared Anderson afterward, he's like, it shouldn't have to take me to get hit in order to turn it up and land punches. But there's a a level of self-awareness that as an analyst uh, like Tim, I can't remember if it was Tim or Andre noticed. It's like, oh, okay, that's what you want to see. There's a level of awareness of where you are and what you need to do. Unfortunately, with Teofimo Lopez, I'm not sure that that's there when you when you suffer a loss. You can't say, oh, it was because, you know, the scorecards were bad or because he danced around. There's a level of responsibility that you have to take where you say, all right, you know what? These are the things I could have done better. This is what I could have uh, improved on. And I think the most one of the most important things he could have improved on is the defense and the technique. As you mentioned, there are a lot of things that I think he could have done to prevent Sandor Martin from boxing him so easily like. Uh, using proper footwork. There wasn't that much of a jab. Timothy Bradley also uh, made note of the lack of jab from uh, Teofimo Lopez. Yeah, he said he doesn't have a jab. Yeah. yeah. And then also, um, you know, throwing right hands to the body at an angle when you're fighting a southpaw, uh, things like that. And so, uh, you know, Teofimo Lopez has to really sit down and think about all the improvements that he needs to make in order to really stand out. Uh, at 140 pounds. And also this is, I was forgetting what I was going to say. Also, uh, if you get caught with the right hook and you get dropped with it in the first or second round, start keeping this hand up when you throw the left hand, when you throw the right hand, every time you throw your right hand, you're supposed to just 
make sure you don't get caught with that counter right hook. But he got he got caught with it again. And it, uh, you could say he was dropped in the later round. Sandro Martin claims that it should have been a knockdown. It wasn't ruled a knockdown. But again, those that 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 part of you that says, oh, I got hit with this shot. Try to avoid it. The adjustments that we see great fighters do. Yeah. And I think there was one time I noticed, I think in the final round where he did actually come in the same way he had been coming in all night, but had the, the guard up and he yeah. was able to kind of roll with the punch and then counter off of it. So it's like, if you know, if you would have done a little bit more of that, maybe you would have had more success in landing your own punches um, instead of those, you know, lunging, looping punches, lead left uppercuts or, you know, wild left hooks. It's just, Again, trying to, you know, focus and just ride your athleticism um, to a championship run. It's just eventually you're going to get to a point where you're fighting guys that are technically savvy. Um, their boxing ability and boxing IQ is higher. And, and they nullify. Yeah, they nullify. Exactly. They nullify. it. And I forget who said it last night, but, you know, you pre-fight, you might have been Kriegel, but you go over the whole list. Athleticism, power, speed, you know, Lopez, 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 Lopez. He's got everything in his favor. But when you get in the ring and you're talking about executing X's and O's and boxing, boxing IQ, the things that, that Martin was able to do, those things can win a fight. Because the one thing that you said, he's got to be able, like Jared Anderson is doing, acknowledge that there's flaws and acknowledge things that there's, you know, there's things to work on. But I don't know if the team around him and the trainer and the father that I don't know if that's the way that you can get to that point with people just not keeping it real with you or you not being on like a, a playing field that you're like, okay, well, let's really watch tape. Let's really see what we're doing wrong. Level of self-awareness. I hope he can get that so that we can see him progress in his career. Yeah. Because there's big fights out there that I'd still like to see, um, you know, in and around that weight class again, kind of like we were just talking about featherweight. I mean, very exciting young guys. Um, and I just don't know. You know, for right now is a good idea. Next fight, Regis Progre. Regis Progre, I, I think Sandra Martin said after the fight, Lomata. <laughs> you know, yeah, he'll he, kill he'll kill Lopez. So Devin Haney mentioned on Twitter after George Cambosos ruined him. Um, now whether that's true, whether you agree with it or not, I think you know, something switched off after that fight, and we've got to see him get that back. Uh, or maybe it doesn't even have to be the same guy. But just be able to uh, adapt and improve um, because some of these other guys, and again, Ward said something similar. As you're learning, as you're trying to figure it out right now, these other guys are moving up. And making it better. Things where you're learning, they're already doing it at a very high level. So you got to play right. catch up. Yeah. So it remains to be seen uh, what happens. At the end of the day, Lopez did get the victory and lines himself up for a title opportunity. So we'll see if that uh, fight gets made next against Regis Progre, um, or Prograrius, as Errol Spence would say. Um, so lastly, we'll move on to the, the fight um, that many people, I will say, had trouble watching. Um, I saw comments uh, on Twitter, Instagram, where can I watch it? And I'm talking about Terrence Crawford versus David Avenisian. Um, Avenician, of course, has been featured mostly lately on uh, matchroom boxing cards. He had a big victory uh, a couple years ago against Josh Kelly. Um, serviceable, good welterweight, um, you know, in and around that weight class, 140, 147. Strong guy. But, Strong guy. Yeah. But not, was, obviously uh, not, the, not the fight that we want to see Terrence Crawford in. I think Terrence Crawford beats this level of guys 10 out of 10 times 
every day of the week. And we've seen it throughout his career. Um, yes, he's going to do what he needs to do, pack the house and get the victory. And he knocked him out in the sixth round as a highlight reel knockout. But again, uh, leaves a lot to be desired. And I'm a Terrence Crawford guy. I love him. I think he's um, skill pound for pound wise, my number one. But eventually you got to start fighting the fights that match the other guy's resumes, your contemporaries. And unfortunately, that part of his um, career doesn't match up to some of these other guys. But skill for skill, if I had to be a fighter, if you had to give me the batch of skills that each guy has, I'd pick Terrence Crawford every day. Of the week. Yeah. But what'd you think of the fight? I mean, what'd you think of, um, you know, the fight that we got instead instead of talking Spence and Crawford, we're talking Crawford Avenisian. Yeah. I mean, there, whereas there were many people who had trouble watching it, I didn't even try because there were so many fights yesterday, but I did see the highlight reel knockout. We knew what was going to happen. We knew he was going to knock him out because that's the type of opponent uh, that Avenizian was, although he did have some good victories. I think he knocked out Josh Kelly. I mean, he's a strong, durable dude, but Crawford is at a different level. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we knew it was going to happen. No surprises there. We all know that this should lead to the fight against Errol Spence Jr., which is a very important fight to make in boxing would be a damn shame if it didn't happen uh, within the next year, because these guys are in their thirties, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran. I think they're in their mid twenties when they first fought, you know, it's inexcusable for this fight to be such an important bout in boxing for it to take place when they're in their mid thirties. You know, that's a different culture in boxing right now where, you know, you wait until later in your career so you can squeeze as much juice from the lot, from the lemon, right? And make as much money as possible. I'm all for that and for supporting the fighters, but at the same time, you got to find a middle ground where you guys can fight each other in your prime and in a way that's soon enough for boxing fans to be uh, happy and continue being invested in the sport. Yeah, and I mean, there's also the, the unknown. I mean, I think uh, Errol Spence was in another car accident, made it out unscathed, luckily, but Life happens too, man. I mean, you just never know. And we're sitting waiting year after year after year. Obviously, people's lives and health are more important than just a fight. But if we're talking about things that can happen on the way to a mega fight like this, that's one of those things. And, you know, we could have and should have gotten this fight a long time ago when we're talking about Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford. And you can beat that dead horse all day. Um, but until it happens, until it's scheduled, um, then we won't talk about who would win all that good stuff. I just want to say Terrence Crawford, tremendous talent, tremendous champion, generational guy, but he needs that fight um, to cement his legacy and his status as one of the, the greatest. I mean, if For not, sure. it's just, it's just going to be one of those things where we're talking 10 years from now. What if, Ooh, remember that guy? Remember him? Remember his run? Ooh, but he didn't fight such and such. So we don't know. Yeah. But um, all in all, it was a good weekend of action. Like we said, glad to be back on the RBR recap. And we hope to be back with a year and wrap up a few of our favorites here and there and maybe sprinkle in a special guest here and there. No promises to our listeners. We <laughs> hope to be back soon. Right. For sure. All right. Until then. Peace. Thank you for listening to the RBR recap. Make sure to follow us on social media at RBR Recap and visit RBRRecap.com for the latest episodes.